0: I'm Corey Glead, a clinical psychologist, and I specialize in evidence-based treatment for anxiety, depression, and stress. And I'm Anna White.
1: I'm a former Wall Street executive. I experienced severe burnout at one point in my career, and
0: I discovered that it had a lot to do with my type C personality. Anna and I are here to educate people about type C traits, which are being pathologically nice, putting the needs of others above yours, avoiding conflict always saying yes, and worrying excessively about disappointing other people. On each episode, we'll share personal
1: stories and also strategies for how to live in healthier ways and how to prevent burnout. Hi, everyone. Today, we're going to be talking about marriage and committed relationships when it comes to type C people. We feel like this is one where we could write a book from our own experiences and mistakes along the way. I mean, I've been married now for... Almost 20 years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So a long time. And long time relationships can be challenging for anyone. And so it's it's really no surprise that type C people need some extra help when it comes to committed relationships. We like to avoid conflict. We put our needs last. And we can take on the burdens of other people, in this case, our spouses or
0: partners. And don't forget the challenges about asking for help for sure. So we wanna recognize that there are underlying societal expectations that can affect relationships, specifically heterosexual relationships. Society expects women to do certain types of work because we've always done this work. And then when you add the type C traits into the mix, relationships just can get that much more challenging. So let's start the discussion with conflict. The type C
1: person usually tiptoes around an issue instead of engaging in direct communication. And this really comes from rules that may have been planted in our childhoods and can also be reinforced by culture that tell us that we can't upset anyone and we have to make sure that everyone else is happy.
0: Can I jump in for just one second? Sure. I just wanna like kind of highlight this a little tiny bit more there may have been times in your childhood when it was dangerous to upset someone. So it just, I don't want to make light of this and just say, oh, there are these rules. You may have learned that it is safer to not upset someone to avoid conflict. And that may have served you very well. And unfortunately, we take these learned patterns and we don't recognize that later in life, we don't sort of open ourselves up or test it out, is that still something I should do? It's just a default behavior we don't even realize. It's very internal. And so for sure, sometimes you, you actually will, it is helpful to not ruffle feathers, just go along with it or get out of that situation as fast as you can. But unfortunately, in intimate relationships, if this is going to be a long-term relationship that is a healthy one, you want to be able to voice your opinion. And certainly conflict avoidance is not healthy in a long-term, hopefully uh, caring, loving, respectful relationship.
1: Well, there are a lot of opportunities for conflict (laughs) in marriages. You know, parenting is a big source of conflict. Money. Any any big decisions. Money. Money money is a huge one. You know, a big spending partner might make a type C person uncomfortable. The C might rather save more, invest it for the future. And so what typically might happen with a type C person is they may keep quiet about it. They may suppress their feelings even though it's causing them anxiety, but over time, this can really lead to anger and resentment and problems in the relationship. So, I I mean, I'm exhibit a for this in my own marriage. We, we have conflict around money from time to time. You know, Mark really loves this house that we have upstate and he loves spending money on the house and he loves fixing it up. And I also love the house, but not to the degree to the degree that he loves the house. And so I have a tendency to just suppress my own need to save more. You know, I'd really rather have a bigger cushion for retirement or college for the children. And so I have a tendency to just kind of, you know, sit on those, those needs of mine because I I see how much joy that it brings him and I don't want to disappoint him. And I also, Acknowledge how much he does for our family, and I want him to have that joy. But I just kind of kick the can down the road and don't address these needs, and and don't engage in the discussion because I really don't want to have the conflict over it.
0: So I just think we should also talk about how another big struggle for people with Type C is focusing on personal needs. There may be a serious division of labor issue here um, when it comes to managing the household not wanting to disappoint a partner and always wanting to keep the peace, people with type C may take on way more than they should, putting them at risk, unfortunately, of burnout or certainly building up of anger and resentment. I definitely struggle with asking for help at home and I get stuck in thinking way more about my kids' needs, my husband's needs, sometimes even my dad's needs Mm -hmm. more than my own. I, I will say I love my mother extremely intensely. She's a wonderful person, but I I blame her because I grew up in this household where my mom did everything. Mm -hmm. My dad was this very sweet, lovely guy, but he was a writer and he was in his head all the time and he was kind of disorganized. And my mom made the money. She paid the bill. She did all, she did all the childcare. She also kind of did all the mental load stuff. She dealt with organizing and running the household. And this totally screwed me yeah. because this was my normal, you know, you do everything. Your partner does the, you know, his job, whatever that is, and then you do everything else. And I also never saw her ask for help. You know, she would ask for help, but it was, Hugh, that's my dad's name, you know, could you do this? One little thing. And Uh he he always said yes. He was always happy to help. But she, you know, he was always in his head and kind of disorganized. And to be fair, he grew up where his mom doted over him and did everything. And so I I think it can just be hard to break out of those patterns. What's
1: so internalized in all of us when we grew up in that environment? And I would say mine was very similar. It was interesting though, you know, my dad took on more of the yard work, right? Which is more sort of manly. My mom did more of the interior stuff. But again, you know, she managed everything. It was her, she was the operations director, if you will, of the house. Right, right. You know,
0: and I think, you know, one thing that women, I, I hope that it's starting to get less and less, but still, you know, my husband was also raised by a mom who worked but didn't make nearly as much money as her husband. And then there were also periods of time when she wasn't working and was doing the majority of the childcare and household stuff. And he definitely grew up in a household where he did a lot less and his mom did a lot more. I'm desperately trying to get my kids to do chores, but uh, it can be hard when that's not the environment. We could do an entire other podcast also all about the challenges that I think, Uh, All women, whether you're in a heterosexual or non-heterosexual relationship, face uh, about like the, you know, the emotional labor, like just all the things that you do in your head that aren't seen. And so I, I also made one more side note, which is that I've always wondered, and I actually haven't looked into research about this many women not all but many women are really wonderful multitaskers and i've always wondered is this a society thing like a cultural learning thing or is this an evolutionary thing and i you no know, i don't want to say you know many men can be wonderful multitaskers and many women are totally disorganized but there is definitely something culturally that happens, that teaches us women to juggle a lot at once. And so unfortunately, we just, we get better at it. And it's kind of an expectation. And if I had to guess, I would say it's both. It's both evolution and society, right? Because
1: it it only makes sense that if women have been doing this job for so long that our brains have evolved in a way
0: that makes us good at right. it. if men went off to just hunt, yeah, mostly by themselves. Yes. And women stayed behind predominantly to deal with any, you know, children or grow anything or, you know, cook the food that came back yesterday from the hunt with other women and other children. Yeah. There was a lot of multitasking and a lot more sort of managing people.
1: Right, 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 right. Well, I will say these division of labor issues definitely had an impact in my marriage, specifically um, when the children were younger. We've gotten to a much better place now, but I was struggling with my health. I was doing the lion's share of, you know, all the the kids stuff and the household management. And I was just feeling so angry and resentful underneath it all. And I was very unenlightened when it came to my emotional state at that point. And I would act out. I was not a good communicator. I would stew in silence and I would huff and puff around and I would lash out. I would, you know, give him the silent treatment. And those are all really unhealthy Mm -hmm. behaviors in a marriage.
0: They're, they're terrible. Also, Um, can I just add that, you know, sometimes that can make people turn towards uh, drinking more mm -hmm. or having affairs or eating more, um, and just, you know, once distance starts to grow in a relationship and that anger and resentment, there, there are turning back points, but at a certain point there is no turning back. Point. Yeah, and luckily we did not reach that point. Yes. We were able to, to
1: work through it, thank heavens. But we're, we're in an, an interesting place now because, you know, I've left corporate life and I'm working on my creative endeavors, my wellness business and this project with you, and so I'm not making as much money. And so I know I feel like I need to do more of the household management because, you know, Mark's out doing his thing and he needs To really be focusing on that in order to support what I'm doing, but then I'm kind of caught in this cycle where I can't make as much progress as I would like to because I have to put all the household management stuff. So it's it's not there are no easy answers. Um, But fortunately, I have a very very supportive partner who again will pitch in a a, a ton and and help. And I, I can be also stubborn about the way that I do things. And this is just a kind of a random point, but you know I do things that don't really help myself. For example. I could order groceries online, but I don't want to do that because I want to support our neighborhood grocery stores. I don't want them to go out of business because if they go out of business, then
0: when we become disorganized and need something in the middle of the night, we have somebody to go. Well, let me just comment on that because actually there's two things. I wouldn't say stubborn. I would say, I am talking about what matters to you. Right. Um, and I would say something that brings you joy. It might be small. And by the way, I fight with my husband, Alan, all the time about this. There's lots of things that I do inefficiently I'm sorry, he sees as inefficient and I see as something that matters to me. So we fight all the time about Amazon. Mm -hmm. He loves Amazon more than anything in the whole world. I hate Amazon. I think it's the evil empire. I hate Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't say that on a podcast. Okay, um, but he's it's it's not just not, it's not a caring person about the world and his employees, and that really matters to me uh-huh. and the carbon footprint and all that stuff. And so, I will go out of my way to either see if I can find it locally. Mm-hmm. You know, I will get on a train. I want to. You know, there's a wonderful baseball store that is about 15 minutes away on a train. So I went there and bought a bunch of stuff for camp. There's a great suitcase store. You know, I'd. Rather do all that stuff, even if it takes more time, but it makes me happier, even though it does suck up time. And so yes, it takes time and you know, those can get frustrating, but, but I think
1: things are important though, because you, if you are ordering on Amazon and that's against your values, then you're going to just, you know, it's going to eat away
0: at you and you're not going to end up feeling very good about yourself. And that's warehouse jobs are terrible. Yeah. They and I think that's kind. Of, that is what we're talking about, which is being aware of what you're holding onto, yeah, and how that affects the relationship. So another classic Type C issue in relationships is taking on your partner's problems. So this can be cloaked in the spirit of being generous or
1: helpful, and I would say that in 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 my relationship, I take on way more of the organizational tasks from the perspective of i have a more sort of process oriented logistical minded brain and my husband is very very creative so i tend to organize him with calendars and lists and that kind of thing just because he has more more challenges there but what happens then is he doesn't really have the opportunity to develop those organizational skills
0: and of course it harms me because then i'm taking on the additional work so i think it can be hard when you see someone sort of struggling and so you want to jump in and help. It's not, you're not crazy in any way, but I would say, yes, you kind of don't give him the opportunity to grow and also he can get a little annoyed at you over time. So, you know, I think it sounds like the two of you guys have a pretty good balance and he respects your help. but certainly in my relationship, I would say I do have a husband who is extremely creative and way more of an out-of-the-box thinker. I'm like, you know, a good, very you know, task-driven, organized person, and I definitely am not as good a problem solver. And that, we definitely have conflict over when we want things done. Uh That's a whole other (laughs) podcast. So how about we talk a little bit about, you know, what we can do about all this? Well, I think first we have to look at the cost
1: of when we're not communicating our needs. How is that affecting the relationship in the long run? And how is it affecting us personally? And we really have to learn how to recognize our emotional state. This is where I ran into a lot of problems. And I I don't know, maybe I'm not in the norm here, but I just. about what you mean by emotional state. Well, I mean, I think when I was stewing in silence and feeling angry and resentful, I wasn't actively thinking I'm feeling angry and resentful. I need to do something about this. It was just there. And I was
0: behaving accordingly, which was, you know, sort of, I mean, I would call it kind of immature behavior, but. Well, we've talked about this before, and you've said this, and I think this is true. There's this core thing about the type C person, which is to think so much about other people. And when you do that, it leads to a lot of personal feelings. And in order to continue engaging in type C behavior, you have to be really good at squashing, creating distance, almost numbing yourself to how you are internally. So all those things may have been helpful early on in the type C person's life, to protect them from either getting criticized or, you know, more abuse or anything like that. But then later on in life, you're stuck with this great tool, quote unquote, not, not great. That was sarcasm there for anyone that didn't notice about really lack of awareness. So I would say from a, from a tool perspective, it's really about working to
1: open up to yourself And interestingly, several years ago, I took this mindfulness class and they had really the whole class, which was like six weeks and hours and hours, really the crux of this class was about learning how to pause and recognize your emotion and step away from it and create some distance between you and the emotion. And Mm -hmm. so you just have that space so that you're not reacting and you're more contemplating and reflecting and considering how you want to handle the situation. Yeah. I also do a ton of journaling. It makes me, it gives me a space to sort of like, like get that emotion out on paper and the, the physical act of like writing just clears it for me. I mean, it doesn't clear it. I still feel it, but I am able to handle it a little bit better. And I, I do this a lot. I used to do it a lot at work. I mean, I know we're talking about spousal and, partnership relationships, but I used to just, when I got angry at work, I would just write these really angry letters to whoever I was you know, frustrated with and then just shred it. And it helped me a lot because you have to be so careful at work, right? You just can't lash out. You can't, you, and you need to get that out somewhere. Otherwise
0: it's just going to fester and create all kinds of issues for you. Yeah, And I think journaling is a great way to pause. Right. Right. Um, You know, it's just a wonderful opportunity to slow down, think about everything, get it all out Mm -hmm. and then make a choice. Right. I still may feel angry, but what's important for me? So as, as I just said, thinking about what's important here, what do you have control over? What do you not have control over? in a partner situation, really recognizing we all have flaws, they're always going to have things that annoy you. I like to say that a healthy relationship is just like a New York City apartment. There are going to be pros and cons. And ideally, you want to pick the relationship and the apartment that you the pros outweigh the cons. And the cons you know are not going to change, and you're willing to put up with them because of the pros. So... It's really important to realize that, that you don't want to try changing your partner and you don't want to take on their problems. This will lead obviously to exhaustion for you and anger, not as Anna was just talking about, certainly not growth and definitely annoyance because you may be micromanaging, which could affect the relationship. So things that you also want to think about if there are differences between you and your partner at managing problems, maybe it's one person is more organized and the other person is less, is if that type C nature to just jump in and help and fix it is there, noticing you know, when I do that, really, how is that helpful in the long run for my partner and myself? So being aware of that. Sitting with guilt, if you feel bad about not helping, you can certainly offer guidance or advice. I'm a big fan of saying, Hey, you know, do you want my help with that? Or do you, you know, I have some thoughts. I was wondering if you want me to share them because sometimes the partner doesn't want them. So, not taking on too much. If, you know, work is not done, this is a really important part, if work is not done to your standards, if the laundry isn't folded the right way, or the dishes are not put back the right way, or the kids aren't put to bed, or their teeth aren't brushed in the right way, or whatever it is, and it's not a big deal. Let it go. Because certainly over time, the more you criticize them, the more that will lead to fighting and the less they will want to be helpful. So certainly offer you know helpful, non-hostile feedback as long as it's been well-received in the past. But otherwise, just drop it. And I would say it's
1: so easy to focus more on the negative and get caught up in the negatives about our partners sometimes. And we can sort of stew on those and let them just kind of grow in our minds. But something that helps me is to just take a step back and remember a greater perspective of all the great strengths that my partner has, which are so many. And I can let some of those negatives fall to the side and also recognizing, okay, I have plenty of flaws myself, right? So uh, let's balance that out a little
0: bit. We all actually, there's a great, John Gottman is a wonderful couples therapist who I highly recommend. If you have not read the book, Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. It is I think like any rabbi or priest or judge who's marrying anyone should literally, you know, after they kiss say, and here's a book or even better read it before it's really easy to read seven principles for making marriage work. I'll just say that again, we'll put it in the notes. notes
1: and um, another
0: one. I don't know if you've read this one or
1: not, but hold me tight by Dr. Sue Johnson. And- she's, she's all about emotion focused therapy. She's wonderful. She's wonderful. Yes. This book. Really, I I mean, it just really
0: spoke to me because it's all about creating safety in relationships and how mm-hmm. to communicate with each Ooh, other. And it's fantastic. Let's put those both, definitely for sure. We'll, we'll put things for those. So one of the things that John Gottman talks about is regularly trying to turn towards your partner because there are so many things that turn you away from them in the relationship just naturally. It's not easy for humans to work together, even though we have this cultural expectation, a societal expectation that we should partner up. Long-term relationships are really hard and take a lot of work. And so, you know, Anna's point is really important important, regularly reminding yourself about the things you appreciate about your partner. And here's one step that Gottman talks about, which is try to engage weekly in things that your partner would appreciate. Don't say, hey, Mark, or Hey, Alan, what would you appreciate me appreciate me doing this week? But just think about what are the things that you know, they appreciate, not the things that you appreciate, but what are things that they have said they really, really appreciate? I certainly know that my husband hates it when I nag him. So nagging less is mm-hmm. definitely something that I try to remind myself to do it doesn't always work, but certainly that's something to think about.
1: And I think one final thought, you know, on, on tools here is just direct communication, stating our needs very clearly, even though it can be uncomfortable, but reminding ourselves that if we don't do this, there are costs in the relationship. So using I statements, which really means sharing your feelings and assertively talking about your needs. So for example, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I would really appreciate it if you could take on taking out the trash every week and this would be in contrast to saying things like oh my god you never take out the trash you're so not helpful i really you know i'm really doing everything here but really you know focusing on your needs and and stating that in a in a direct way
0: so we hope this episode was helpful today, but we could go on and on and on and on. As we said at the very beginning, there are so many things to talk about in relationships and maybe we'll do a future one. So we really hope you liked the episode today. And speaking of liking, we'd love to for you to go on iTunes and put some stars on there. If you like the episode, even write a review if you'd like to. There are a lot of ways to get in touch with us. If there are topics you'd love for us
1: to cover, you can email us. It's Toolbox at gmail.com. You can go to our blog, typectoolbox.com. There are links there to get in touch with us. And also check out our Instagram feed. We've got a lot of quick hit videos covering a lot of these topics.
0: And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening today. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. It's not meant to be a substitute for mental health treatment. If you're having a mental health emergency, please dial 911. If you're looking for mental health treatment, please visit the National Alliance on Mental Illness website at NAMI, which is N-A-M-I dot org.